so much more that we didn't know about outside of just Roe v. Wade out there and it doesn't get talked about because it's controversial. I'm so glad this is not turning into mansplaining. I know. I <laughs> Thank you so much friends, but we don't need any more <laughs> podcasts with just men talking. I am trying so hard to avoid it. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Social Discord, episode 30, Abortion and Roe v. Wade, The Conservative White Whale, part two. Uh, I'm your host, Dalen Turk. I'm Kara Tebow. And I'm Curtis Medina. So going into part two of our abortion series, like I said, uh, coming out of part one, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about what's going on in today's world, and Curtis is actually going to tell us about a, an absolutely fascinating study and uh, give us uh, a little more insight on some uh, statistics surrounding, uh, surrounding, surrounding abortion and those who have experienced uh, such a procedure. Um, but before we get into that, uh, Karen Curtis, how are we feeling about this? You know, we just got off of a deep, deep dive into the history of abortion. How are we feeling right now? I feel like we did a really good job of setting up an episode that's prepared to dive into the current political landscape. I feel like, we've, you know, we went over the context, we went over the history, we kind of went over how we got here. Now I think we're ready to keep the conversation moving. Yeah, and I thought it was such, like, a great job by Kara. Like, like I, I'm so glad that you covered the bigger issues, too. Like, so often, like, you know, when you're in social studies or whatever in in high school or junior high or whatever, and you, and you read about this, they talk about Roe v. Wade for about a paragraph, and you move on because it's so controversial, you know? So thank God that, that you know, there are people who look into this, who, who care about it, who, you know, really deep dive into these issues and make sure that we understand the context so we can figure out how we got here and where we're going next. Oh, 100%. I mean, I know we we talked about before we started the last episode of just how in-depth the entire subject really is. And Curtis, that's actually an incredible point you said is we look at the history books in junior high and high school and whatnot. We talk about Roe v. Wade, legalized abortion. That's about the extent of it, to be quite honest with you. It's about as far as it goes. And so... Like Kara, your research was just like so phenomenal because it. I I think you know we said it. It opened up a perspective because there was so much more that we didn't know about outside of just Roe v. Wade that is just out there and it doesn't get talked about because it's controversial. That's yeah, and basically also it. It, it, it for, you have to actually look for that stuff. I mean, I don't think any of us knew half of the things we read, so. Who really has the time to dig into all of this? So that's why I'm glad we're doing this episode because, you know, it did take hours and hours and hours of research to get to even just like that hour and a half episode. So really our goal, of course, is to continue doing the research so that we can bring it in a lot, in a way that's much more digestible because it is important yeah. um, and, and it, it shouldn't be hard to access. And it's still so taboo. I mean, you know, we think of ourselves as such a modernized society, but, you know, I have to admit, like, you know, I was reading, I was out at a sandwich shop and I was kind of hiding the title from people because I didn't even want to like have that conversation with people mm -hmm. that I didn't know was on board or, you know, with, with, with even talking about, um, you know, abortion. A lot of people, you mention it and they're pointing at you yelling about you know, killing babies and stuff. And it's like, wow, that is not what we're talking about here. There is a much bigger issue to be talked about. So, you know, um, I'm excited about this episode. And so with that, uh, Curtis, why don't you go ahead and just uh, take us into it? So we call these episodes the conservative white whale. And usually if you call something somebody's white whale, you're basically saying it's something that they have been targeting their whole life. They become absolutely obsessed with, but they just can't quite kill. Um, and uh, that is definitely the issue with conservatives. I kind of joke that this issue is to conservatives as gun laws are to liberals. Mm. You know, just can't quite do it because it's, you know, the, the opinion doesn't let you do it. Can, you know, uh, doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't get you very far. You, you, at the best you can do is, is, uh, kind of end up at a stalemate and hope that that uh society gets better on its own i guess um but uh but you know so trying to 
um, attack this and figure out why conservatives are are so obsessed with um, with overturning it. Um, you know, it, it gets back to a lot of ideas about religion and you know protecting life, no matter what that life is um, and when life begins and all that stuff. So from the beginning, when Roe v. Wade passed, um, conservatives have vowed to destroy it. Um, unequivocally wants to destroy it. And there have been very few attempts to find any kind of middle ground because the thinking is, um, you know, if uh, if conservatives ever got their way with a middle ground that um, do what they've always promised to do and, and essentially make the law um, useless that protects um, against or protects having abortions and uh, we'd end up like we did we were in the past. Uh, so um, Reagan had a speech um, that I wanted to play a quick second of um, that that that, uh, that basically said we must never rest. Um, and here it is. More than a decade ago, a Supreme Court decision literally wiped off the books of 50 states statutes protecting the rights of unborn children. Abortion on demand now takes the lives of up to one and a half million unborn children a year. Human life legislation ending this tragedy will someday pass the Congress, and you and I must never rest until it does. Like many Republicans, uh, he is absolutely adamant that abortion uh, should be eliminated and, and against it. Um, one thing I thought was interesting was I found this thing called the Turnaway Study, and they based the idea for doing this um, on uh, Reagan's Surgeon General at the time. This was the 1980s. Um, he basically tasked the Surgeon General with finding um, conclusive evidence that um, that about the effects of abortion on women physically, economically, and psychologically. And he came back after two years saying, I'm sorry, I can't really find enough information to give you a definitive answer. And that was kind of where it was left at that point and for all this time until the Turnaway study uh, decided to answer that. So wait, and all actually that time, give politicians... So all that yeah. time we're debating abortion and no one even really knows or there's no definitive study saying hey look at this this is what like this is what happens to women if they get an abortion like no it's one it's basically mansplaining like abortion to women uh it's it's completely unfounded talk from politicians that you know had no basis in science or in any kind. I mean, very few studies and nothing really conclusive this whole time until this turnaway study decided to say, okay, let's really, let's really ask these questions. Like we're, let's do it in a scientific way. So over the course of five years, um, the study concluded in 2016, uh, 7,800 interviews were done, a thousand women. Um, and they specifically chose women who either had gotten abortion or had been refused an abortion right at the cutoff time. Um, so the cutoff time uh, typically is, I think, I believe it's, it's, it's viability, but it's essentially around the end of the semester. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but, and it varies from state to state as well. Um, but, uh, but they wanted to specifically have women who, who wanted an abortion at first, but either were denied or given one. And the difference is between that and other things that had been studied was other studies included women who were just happy to be pregnant, did not want an abortion and mm -hmm. never thought about it. You know, this study was more likely to have women who were more in poverty, uh, who were more um, um, uh, people of color, um, more basically had more circumstances that would lead them to even consider seriously getting an abortion enough to literally ask for it. Um, and the ramifications of being denied that if once you are sure that you want one. So it, 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 and today in this country, there still is quite a few limitations um, that um, are dictated by states uh, for women getting abortions. It's not a complete free-for-all like, like some conservatives um, say it is. 
So in the study, uh, the participants resembled closely the makeup of women who get abortions nationally. Between one in three and one in four women uh, will have an abortion during their lifetime. Um, so this is not just a fringe selection of women. This is people you know. Um, these are women that you know uh, that about 25 to 33% of the women you know um, are affected by this directly because they will have had an abortion sometime in their lifetime. Do um, do either of you know anybody who's had an abortion? I do. I do. Yeah, I do as well. I do, it's that the the one in three to one in four statistic just makes it so much more real. But like, yeah, I I actually just learned uh, 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 one of my best friends. I just learned the other day that uh, she had had an abortion, and I had no idea until she told me. And it, she did it like two years ago. Uh, I have many friends who have had an abortion like more than you like said you know you'd think and one thing that I want to point out and of course this is anecdotal to me but this is a, a broader conversation that I hear with abortions is that none of my friends are bothered by it like not, not maybe like I have maybe one friend and that was because it was actually traumatic mm-hmm. um uh, you know uh, ectopic pregnancy which is extraordinarily extraordinarily dangerous and she was you know it's very traumatic but it's not like my friends who had abortions are traumatized by it or they think about it all the time like they had it and it's okay and they're okay so like it's okay to recognize that abortions don't mean you know, psychological damage forever. Sometimes right. they just mean, okay, well, I wasn't ready for that. Go in and get it done. Move on. Um, and I think that's really important to remember that sometimes it's absolutely it's 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 easy for some women to get an abortion. Right. Hmm. That's a good point. And and you know, I think increasingly um, organizations like Planned Parenthood are trying to, you know, really take away that stigma of it being. A, such a negative thing and trying to push it more toward the idea of of family planning um and 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 of uh, a routine procedure right um the um so uh for those who have abortions 90 percent of which um occur in the first three months the first trimester um, only about 1% of all abortions happen after 20 weeks, which is five months or late second trimester. Um, so 1%. what, yeah. And that is what you hear about, say, I'd say 90% of the time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's why I, I would I, confirm I, it because that is the argument. I do wonder right. what percentage of that 1% are due to the fact that either the mother will die or the child and the mother will die um it's actually on here um so um oh you know i'm not sure if it's specifically that if it's just people in the later or not um i don't see it here but you know i think i think i read in one of the books that it was about 10 percent um of the abortions were specifically like health related reasons of either the baby or the mother um or attributed to things like rape and incest um so it still is majority of people in that one percent are still doing it because they're they're not thinking it's the right decision for personal reasons not necessarily health reasons mm-hmm. interesting okay um and let's see uh uh, oh yeah, and basically what we were just saying, uh, this, this book was talking about how that women who choose to get later abortions are the most politically vulnerable and least socially accepted. So, you know, so these are the people you hear about the most, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're that they should be vilified for making this decision. Um, you know, it it gets more difficult, more dangerous the later you go um, to get an abortion. Um, so, you know, a lot of cases. It is very difficult for them um, if, if they do it later, like you were saying, Kara, your one friend. Um, you know, it it can be it can be emotionally scarring and and dangerous, but it doesn't have to be. Um, it just depends on your specific situation. Um, a lot of women don't even know for uh, for quite a bit of time, and and a later abortion 
is our only option because by the time they get the money together, they get to, you know, they drive the 250 miles to the nearest abortion clinic because their state has decided to, to block it all. Um, it's they're they're already pretty late in, in the process. Um, and some states don't allow later abortion, um, as we'll get into. Um, so, um, basically the idea of, um, of, of viability is based on something called gestational limit. Um, the process of being carried in the womb um, through what would be an eventual birth um, is um, is a gestational age. One thing I thought was was uh, surprising that I think probably all women know Kara, but but me, me as as a dude like was totally um, stupid about was they base gestational age, which is taken from the beginning of the woman's last menstrual period. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, and to me, that seems like, I mean, I get why they do it, but that seems like really early because as a woman, you may not notice or even like care so much that you missed your period for several more weeks after that. And yet you're already like four weeks into pregnancy. Yeah, I mean, it. this is something that we've heard a lot in Texas is that this this idea that women have any idea that they're pregnant is absurd. It is so, so common for women's menstrual cycle to be all over, all over the place. It is actually like kind of abnormal, not abnormal, but it's, it's not as common for like your menstrual cycle to be, oh, the same day of every, you know, of every day of every month, stress can change it. Medications can change it. Like, I'm sorry, but it is such an unfair standard to hold women to, to just know that their body's pregnant based off of their menstrual cycle when those are, you know, very, very personal and different for each woman. Yeah. And I I think my mom told me, I don't remember if it was with me or my sister, um, but I think she said that the first time she took a pregnancy test, it came back negative, but like two weeks later or something, she was still feeling bad. And she was like, I'm going to take it again. <laughs> and it came back positive being pregnant, you know? And so like, it can, like, it doesn't even have to show up at first. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it yeah. can, What's, it's, sh- it's not a full, full proof system. Shelby was telling oh, I mean, me with the, you know, traditional, uh, uh, pregnancy test, you know, pee on the stick, a, a false negative is much more common than a false positive. Oh wow. Which I I I I guess I didn't even so, think of that. The reason that's the case is that the way pregnancy tests work is by detecting a certain hormone in your body. So in very very rare circumstances something can artificially produce this hormone, but if the pregnancy test is showing positive, it can't do that unless mm. you have the hormone associated with pregnancy. But of course, you know, for that your body to generate enough to be caught have to be in you know into your pregnancy or every mm-hmm. body has to work the same and produce the same amount of hormones so yeah it's it's not uncommon to get a negative test because not every woman's body is producing these pregnancy hormones at the same increments Kara oh, I'm, I'm so happy you're on this show I- <laughs> <laughs> So glad this is not turning into mansplaining. I know, I <laughs> Thank you so much for But we don't need any more <laughs> podcasts with just men talking. I am trying so hard to avoid it. <laughs> okay, so this, this, the statistics say uh, the people who get abortions, just over a third are white, um, about a third are black, um, uh, 21% Latina, 4% native, 3% Asian, 60% are in their 20s, 18% are teenagers, 22% are 33 are 30 and over. Um that's interesting. Women's, go ahead. The the 22% 30 and over. Um that's I I don't know, I guess maybe I I guess I would have thought that number would be lower to be honest, but I don't know. Well, I mean, people are having kids later in life now. I mean, it, it is safer to have kids later than it used to be. There's a lot more scientific advancements. People are waiting until they they get married now when they didn't to, you know, there's there's a lot that's changed in society. So I feel like it has something to do with the older you get the, and you don't have kids because it's a choice. Like, you're pretty set on that. Like, you know, me and my partner, were like, we're pretty positive that we don't want to have kids. So, like, having a kid as I'm heading into my 30s would, like... I mean, I would like fall into a depression. Yeah. No offense to, you know, like, and that's just my personal choice. 
So I imagine as more women are understanding that it's acceptable not to have children in your late 20s and early 30s, whereas even like honestly, like five years ago, I think I would have been under the uh, the umbrella being like, you know what, I'm old enough, like I have a partner, I have a job, like I should just have the kid. And then like I kind of like started getting older and I started following honestly like more social media accounts that promote women being able to be childless and my stance has completely changed whereas if i got pregnant now i would go get an abortion because i would be like no actually i don't have to just because i have a job and a partner all these things like i I don't have to so i'd be really interested to know how that statistic has also changed over the last couple years just giving women more autonomy over the way that they want their lives to play out and women aren't defining themselves as much by just being mothers necessarily totally. like they, some do but not that's not like a, a necessity yes exactly and you don't have to have a kid you know if you don't want one that's at least that's mm-hmm. what we're fighting for that's what we want women to have the chance to do interesting um according to this uh 50 of women um, that are seeking abortions are in poverty um the the later the abortion the higher they are poverty, uh, 40% of which in the first trimester, 57% in the second trimester, uh, 25% were middle class in wealth with private insurance. Um, 61% were in a current romantic relationship with the person who had caused them to become pregnant. Um, 60% had other children already, uh, and 45% had a previous abortion. Wow. Um, 20% of women reported a history of sexual assault or rape. Um, not, I don't, you know, one thing I didn't say was whether or not that pregnancy was a result of that, or if it was just at some point in their life. Um, right. and then 1%, um, specifically, oh, well, maybe this says it, 1% specifically were pregnant due to, to rape at the, at the time. So maybe that does actually answer that. Um, so the, the conclusion from the turnaway study, uh, was, was quote, we find no evidence that abortion hurts women. For every outcome we analyzed, received an abortion were either the same or more frequently better off um, than women who were denied an abortion. These are people who wanted an abortion either way. But, um, but so in other words, once they've decided this is the way they want to go, the people who were denied were worse off in every um, way that they, they measured. Uh, their physical health was better. The, I'm going back to the question. Um, their physical health was better. Their employment and financial situations were better. That's not surprising. Uh, their mental health was initially better and eventually the same. Um, they had more aspirational plans for the coming year. They had a greater chance of having a wanted pregnancy and being in a good romantic relationship years down the road. And the children they already had were better off too. We and this is continuing the quote. We find many ways in which women were hurt by carrying an unwanted pregnancy to term. Uh, continued pregnancy and childbirth is associated with large physical health risk, so great that two women in the study died from childbirth-related causes. Um, so this was during the study. Two of them actually died. Wow. Um, many uh, many others uh, many others experienced complications from delivery and ex- that extended over the next five years, which is where the end study ended. Um, increased chronic head and joint pain, hypertension, poor self-rated overall health. In the short run, women in- experienced increased anxiety and loss of life satisfaction after be- being denied an abortion, which, I mean, that makes total sense. I mean, does, yeah. does anybody surprised by that? No. I mean, what a slap in the face, right? <clears throat> I mean, you say you want this, you say you need this, and you can't get it um, in the United States of America. Um, I I said it in our last episode and I'll say it again. Pregnancy is an extremely intrusive and dangerous medical procedure. And it it actually does. I mean, I know that people will call me dramatic, but to me, it seems very barbaric for someone to go through such a high risk procedure. And I really appreciate you pulling the statistics out, Curtis. This is great. Well, thanks. Uh, And, and, uh, uh, abortion. Another thing the book said, um, abortion opponents often accuse women seeking abortions of being misinformed, irresponsible, or immoral. You know, women, if they just understood it a little bit better, you know, they would they would either choose not to have an abortion or they shouldn't even have the choice. can't make that choice for themselves, right? Um, but in fact, as, as the book says, um, the turnaway study results make clear 
women make thoughtful, well-considered decisions about whether to have an abortion. When asked why they want to end their pregnancy, women gave specific and personal reasons, and their fears are borne out in experiences of women who carry unwanted pregnancies to term. Women seeking abortions worry that they cannot afford to raise a baby, and we find that women denied abortions are more likely to live in poverty. They worry that their relationship isn't strong enough to support a child, and we find and we find that relationships uh, with the man involved dissolve regardless of whether they carry the pregnancy to term or have an abortion. I thought that was really interesting because, you know, like a lot of a lot, there's a there's a lot of people who say that, you know, women stay in relationships uh, that are bad for them because there's a baby involved or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or they think having a baby will result in in a longer lasting relationship or they'll get closer to their husband or whatever and and i think that's that's terrible advice like according to the study um the relationship dissolved either way it's very common with religious people like i know a lot of my yeah my mormon friends god bless them uh when i have three three i could think of that were struggling in their marriage and they said well maybe have I think having this baby will fix i'm like actually <laughs> uh no uh having a child does not fix relationships so ladies mm-hmm. please 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 don't think that having a baby will fix your relationship anyway absolutely um they they also found that no mental health harm uh came from having an abortion in the long term um, but they did find some short-term increases in symptoms of anxiety and esteem among women who were denied abortion um, I mean, I, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, like yeah. Um, it's so it, like you're you're reading through this, and it all seems. It just seems like common sense. It makes logical. sense, you know. Like this is yeah. exactly what I would expect them to find. Yeah, and 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 this was a huge study. I mean, you know, a thousand women, five years, thousands of interviews, and specifically with women that were already getting an abortion and were either denied or not like that is exactly the kind of study you want politicians to be reading when they're making these laws because these are the people they're actually affecting um i don't know if i have it in here or not but that thought was great um in one of the books i was reading i can't remember which one it was um that that said that um there was a conservative politician that was that was um, talking about um anti-abortion legislation and the woman that was interviewing said, why do you think women want to get an abortion? And he paused and he said, I've never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, it's, it's insane. But then yeah. also like, you know, Dalen, you said this all seems like common sense. And like everything you're saying aligns with what I know anecdotally with what I hear my friends and women saying. So it's it's. It is kind of crazy that, you know, this is so pervasive, this is anecdotal experiences, this is statistical experiences, but then for some reason it's just like, mm, pass, let's move on. Like, <laughs> what? Well, and, and women are so rarely included in, in the discussion as mm-hmm. well. Um, in one study at the University of California, Berkeley, researchers looked at two years' worth of news articles um, and found that only 32 of the 783 articles published about abortion, only four, which is only 4%, 32 out of the 783 actually referred to a real-life woman who experienced an unwanted pregnancy. Wow. Like, pointed out that they, there's always the article or, or the picture that goes with it, like a headless torso, like pregnant woman, uh, you know, that, that is, you know, it goes along with it. And it's like, but they don't, they're not including the face of the woman. They're, you know, and, you know, because it's just it, like like the stock image. It's not about women. I mean, it's not about what they want. Like that's what I feel. Like I everything I read is just confirming these these things that I have felt and that I have seen. Like it, it is not about what women want or why they want an abortion. It's about making right. sure that there is control over what they do with this this fetus, this baby. Right. everything that you're saying is just further like instilling this belief in me that it hasn't it's never been about why women want them well and so much of it now when you look at the the religious fanatics who use the bible to back up their their pro-life scheme it's 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 not like i said i mean it's not about women it's not about abortion it's just about religion 
It's about their belief. It's about their faith. It's about belief. Yeah. Christianity. Well, it's and, not and about and the. To be fair, though, it, you know, a lot of people are pro-life because they see no difference in a baby and a fetus. I mean, and so like they consider this idea of of weighing a woman's right versus um, the life of a potential baby. Um, it's, and so it's not just religious, but it, it is a mm-hmm. deeply moral belief. I guess for me, the argument falls flat from, and, and this is not all people, but when I hear this argument from people, I usually don't see those same people advocating for what happens after that child's born. Yeah. Are you guys, like, you know, are you advocating for financial uh, safety nets, for school lunches, for therapy, for health care, for, are you advocating for the foster system to be overhauled? Are you advocating to remove restrictions from adoptions that make it difficult for people to adopt, for gay couples to adopt? Like, I, like you keep, you know, I keep hearing this art, not you, Curtis, like I keep hearing this argument from people mm-hmm. who are, you know, pro, um, pro life, even though I don't like that because we're all pro life, right? Yeah. Um, anti-abortion. But, I think that makes more yeah, sense. Anti-abortion. Yeah. But you you only care as long as the baby's born, and then it's like okay, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So <laughs> to me, that's not pro life. That's pro that's pro birth. Yeah. Because uh, if you don't really care what happens <laughs> afterwards, yeah. then you're not pro life. So mm-hmm. um, I would love someone to flush that argument out with. And honestly, maybe it would be interesting for us to chat with someone too who is anti-abortion to hear what their thoughts are on that because mm-hmm. um, you can't have it both ways. Well, I, I would yeah, like it, to to pose the question of okay, so if 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 a fetus is is alive, a fetus is a person, a fetus is living, then can the mother uh, draw uh, health insurance for that fetus? Can the mother uh, cover that baby under life insurance? And if that baby does die by carrying out the pregnancy, can the mother uh, uh, pull that life insurance policy? Um, you know, I mean. I mean, leg- legally, you're not a person until you're born. That because it's the most obvious moment that you are a person. You are separated from the mother, and you are you are you have viability, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think there is some argument that that if a baby is viable before that, they could be, I don't know, closer to being a person. So, like, I, I get why people are creeped out by late-term abortions, which are not a big part yeah. of this debate, by the way. It's it's the absolute extremist part of yeah. this of this debate. Um, but, like, I get why people don't like those. Um, but, you know, ultimately it has to be the choice of the mother. An, arg- an argument that I hear in relation to this a lot is that there is there are no mandated medical procedures aside from pregnancy and giving birth if abortion is illegal. So like there, there should be, there is currently nothing that exists to mandate that you have to go through the mm-hmm. medical procedure aside from pregnancy, hmm. which is very That's dangerous. interesting. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting. I mean, and I, I think men need to understand that idea of bodily autonomy a little bit more because there is nothing that forces a man to make that decision. And, and And indeed, quite a few people, I think, put in that place would not want that to happen and you legally could not make them and yet with pregnancy you can so let me wrap this up so i know we have to get to to um the more interesting part of this episode all the legalese um but just to wrap up what this uh this study was talking about um 40 percent of the women who were seeking abortions um said they that they had more than one reason for seeking the abortion. The, the top reason, though, was for, uh, was forty uh, percent was not financially prepared. Thirty six percent was said that not the right time for the baby to have a baby. Thirty one percent said partner related reasons. Twenty nine percent needs to focus uh, on other children. Twenty percent interferes with future opportunities. Um, other reasons were mentally preparedness, health related reasons. Um, and and that they wanted a better life for the baby, the children that they already had, and they didn't think they could give a good life to the, their current children. And like I said, most most women had more than one reason. Um, I believe it was like sixty percent or something like that. Um, so yeah, so that study was just I I thought that was a really interesting study. It just it just finished in twenty sixteen. It's just now becoming part of the national conversation. Wow. Um, on on uh, on abortion. And they found absolutely no bearing that it, it's uh, it's bad for women. Um, so so things like Roe v. Wade do seem to stand up to scrutiny. Um, but an important thing to mention um, is that 
Roe v. Wade is not absolute and that um, it, it specifically gave states the right to limit, um, I think, as kind of a, a ways to to not completely sideline people who are against abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't want to get it necessarily in their minds out of control. Um, so they gave states the rights to limit it. Um, however, it was not meant to be limited so much that it became overly burdensome. Um, and that is what we're going to be talking about you know, when, um, coming up. Um, so, yeah, so Dalen, I know you went into a lot of that. Um, you know, what did you find? Yeah, I mean, it's that's exactly what you said. I mean, we were debating um, – what the role of the Supreme Court is in this instance, and and I think what we kind of decided was they they their purpose in Roe v. Wade was to decide the constitutionality of abortion, and then they left pretty much everything else up to the states um, to hash out the you know the real like nitty gritty surrounding it. Um, and so I, I wanted to look more into what's happening today um, legally, what the legal landscape looks like, what laws we're facing. Um, so looking back at 2021, um, so as a, and this is from the uh, Law Journal for Social Justice, um, as of September 2021, there were nearly 600 anti-abortion laws introduced um, in 2021. Um, by August yeah. 2021, 97 of them were enacted into law. Um, and Kara Curtis, mm-hmm. I know I asked y'all this to take a guess. <laughs> how many, how many anti-abortion laws have been enacted since Roe v. Wade? Um, I'm gonna say 400. See, I want to say an astronomical number because <laughs> I just feel like, I mean, that was in the early seventies, like, I feel like, 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 you know, a few hundred per year or something like that, like makes sense. But, but like, uh, yeah, like I think Kara mentioned earlier, like, like about prices, right rules. Like, like <laughs> I, I want to say 401, <laughs> 401. <laughs> just to make sure that <laughs> I win. But, um, no, I, my, my serious guess is, um, 1200. So since Roe v. Wade, 1973, there have been 1,327. Ah! 1,327 wow. anti-abortion laws have been enacted in the United States since Roe v. Wade. And so wow. I, I, I think a lot of people struggle to grasp what these really are because you think anti-abortion and you think, oh, it just it bans abortion at X amount of weeks. But there, there's just so much more that actually goes beyond that in terms of restriction and just what can be done surrounding abortion procedures and abortion care. Um, so here's kind of a range of the different types of laws um, that have been enacted and uh, put in place. So Curtis, you talked about uh, uh, gestational periods. So that's uh, gestational bans, uh, basically banning abortion after certain points in pregnancy. Um and then there's method bans, which ban particular methods of abortion care. Uh, parental involvement laws. Uh, these require parental consent or notification um, of abortion care or judicial approval for minors seeking abortion care. Um, there's reason oh. bans, uh, which these restrict abortion uh, if the pregnant uh, person's decision is based on and pregnant person, the pregnant woman's decision is based on a fetus's sex, race, or uh, fetal diagnosis, uh, trigger bans, which he, trigger bans are interesting. So trigger bans, and I think we mentioned it in the last episode, are laws trigger put laws, into yeah. place in states to immediately ban abortion if Roe v. Wade is overturned. And I, I um, want to clarify, these are separate. You'll see, I know we mentioned that there are however many states it was where they have pre Roe v. Wade abortion anti-abortion laws that are still in place, um, and wow. so if Roe v. Wade is overturned, those will be the law by default. Whereas trigger bans make it so that that is law. Um, so they don't have that already, but these make it so that once it happens, then it becomes law. Um, so, so like if Roe v. Wade is ever overturned, some state is going to have a law where. Like, you know, if, if a woman, if a woman be bigger than four chickens, then she cannot, 
you know, get an abortion. I mean, it's yeah. going to be something just like medieval. What a, whatever it may be, it will be something from, yeah, that is just to the core anti-abortion. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. And then How you scary. look at uh, targeted restriction of abortion providers, trap laws. Uh, these single out medical practitioners or sorry. Uh, they single out the medical practices of doctors who provide abortions and impose on them requirements that are more burdensome than those imposed on other medical practices. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they basically just put this huge burden on doctors who provide uh, abortion care. Um, and then you have uh, coverage restrictions, uh, which these limit uh, public and or private insurance coverage of abortion care and restrict public funding for abortion. Um, and this is this is a, a huge def- detriment to organizations like Planned Parenthood. Um, so of the the 97 uh, uh, laws that were enacted in 2021, 12 fall under the category of ab- abortion bans. And I'm just going to go over a few of them here. Uh, we have Arkansas Act 308. Uh, this prohibits abortion uh, except when the mother's life is endangered. Uh, and that was actually blocked by a federal judge. Um, we have Oklahoma House Bill 2441. The heart, it's, it's a heartbeat bill. Um, as soon, you can't have an abortion as soon as a fetal heartbeat is detected. Uh, this was uh, blocked by the state Supreme Court in Oklahoma. Um, you have Oklahoma uh, Senate Bill 918, which is a trap law. Uh, you have Idaho House Bill 366, which is another heartbeat bill. Um, these uh, in 2021 heartbeat bills were kind of the kind of the go-to, I guess, in terms of anti-abortion um, or specifically abortion ban laws that were um, states were trying to enact. Um, then you have uh, Mississippi HB 1510. Uh, this uh, uh, bans abortions after 15 weeks except for medical emergency um, or severe uh, fetal abnormality. Um, this does not allow an exception for rape or incest. Um, and this, so this is one that uh, both the Mississippi, uh, the 15-week bill, as well as, we'll talk in a second, Texas SB8 were the two that kind of swept the nation uh, near the end of 2021. Um, you had uh, Texas that came out with their uh, uh abortion ban law that would ban abortion after six weeks it's just it's the most the severe and strict abortion anti-abortion bill yet and then mississippi came out with their 15-week ban and i I, am i i'm correct in saying that the mississippi bill was upheld by the supreme court right i never researched that one so i'm not sure like i'm I'm fair. It was kind. Of, I guess I didn't see what like the final decision was, but it. it I mean, yeah, it was upheld um, by the Supreme Court, um, uh, uh, providing Mississippi with a bill that bans abortion after 15 weeks, um, which leads us to Texas uh, Senate Bill 8, the most restrictive anti-abortion bill ever. Um, it bans abortion after six weeks, uh, with exceptions for mother's health and severe fetal abnormalities. Once again, no exception for rape or incest. Um, it's interesting to note this is 18 weeks less than the Roe v. Wade precedent. Um, wow. But the groundbreaking thing that SB8 does is how it's enforced. So... SB, Texas SB 8 explicitly bans state officials from enforcing the law itself. Instead, it empowers private citizens to sue for at least $10,000 anyone who aids and abets uh, an, uh, an abortion after the te- detection of a fetal heartbeat, usually around six weeks or so into gestation. Uh, women who obtain abortions cannot be sued. So, if... I, if Kara wanted an abortion and I were to help her drive to another state to get that abortion and like a Texas citizen was aware that I helped her do that, they could sue me for $10,000 for helping Kara drive across the state to get an abortion. 
That, see, that can't be constitutional. That just can't. I mean, well, when states are working against each other, like if it's legal in another state, like what right does Texas have that that you you, know, you can be sued? Like what's next? Like, you know, uh, a state suing that if you drive somebody to Nevada to gamble in their gambling laws, like that's ridiculous. I'm pretty sure it was upheld, at least by most of our courts. So it, and- so originally, so the, the Supreme Court... Um, so, I mean, it, it's been upheld thus far. Um, the Supreme Court did not take up the hearing. Uh, or they, the Supreme Court did not stop the bill from being enacted, and that's when they took up the Mississippi bill. But um, the Supreme Court did uh, decide that the lower federal courts could, uh, because right now there's just lawsuits up the wazoo against uh, a whole a lot of people in Texas um, trying to fight this bill, and the Supreme Court did rule that those uh, uh, that the suit could continue in the lower courts. But um, the Supreme Court also said during this time it wouldn't halt it, so it's still being enacted. Um, thus far, I don't think anyone's been sued. I think there was one person who did sue somebody, and they literally did it just. They said they aren't necessarily anti-abortion, but they're doing it because they need they need it to go to court, basically. Like yeah, they, that's what I've heard. They need that, that fight to start. The current law is being upheld, but it's going to be like the real test will come when someone actually carries through with yeah. one of these lawsuits, and then then we'll know. But it's like the, this: the Texas thinks they're very slick, and it's a very public knowledge in Texas that Texas. Is very proud of themselves for coming up with this workaround um, to, you know, punish people who aid in abortions. But what's absolutely bonkers to me is that Texas is, you know, you know, be living, get your own guns, do your this and that. <laughs> but then you want to implement a literal like North Korea style <laughs> regiment of paddling on your neighbors and suing them. I'm sorry, but those two things do not exist in the same realm. Well, and the big part of the the citizen enforcement, the whole citizen cop thing, is that, and the reason they explicitly ban the ban state officials is because they're trying to avoid, because when when it's a the citizen suing the other citizen, it's a, it becomes a civil case, so they're trying to right. avoid basically any state officials at any level of law enforcement or government, whatever it may be of being plaintiffs in these lawsuits, basically they're trying to take, take the accountability away from the state and put it on the citizens so that the state does not have to answer for it. It's crazy. I mean, imagine, you know, on like fighting crimes and they were just like, you guys worry about it. Like <laughs> yeah. you tell us, I mean, we can't figure out a way to enforce. It, so, so you it's guys also- just title on each other. Like the reason that this is obviously such a big deal is, and I'm sure we can all see this right right away, is that if for some reason, you know, once something goes through the court system, it does become precedent and precedent can be used, obviously, not or not obviously, but precedent can be used in all future cases. So it essentially becomes a form of law. Like we have precedent law in this country. So can you imagine if we exist in a country where there is precedent for citizens to sue citizens over things that they don't agree on because that's what abortion is coming down to right so well i can sue people because i don't like really this this opens it up to well i can sue this person because they have this flag in front of their house or they're this religion or you know they whatever they said this and that like or they're gay like this opens up this whole floodgates of like well i don't agree with it so i'm going to sue you yeah, the, the Republicans precedent. are always saying like if if you don't if you don't like America you can leave and if you don't like my opinion you know you can kiss this I mean it's like like but yet they want to use the law like this to you know to push their their agenda mm-hmm. on other people's bodies that's crazy yeah so like I just want to point out that that's my favorite argument because if you don't like it you can leave oh so you do believe in immigration to other countries if you don't <laughs> like the current country you're in interesting. <laughs> Immigration, huh? Okay, we're we're coming up on time, so I'm gonna rush through the end of this real quick. 
Um, so we've been talking a lot about anti-abortion, so I wanted to look at some things that were pro-choice that have happened uh, in recent time. Um, so New Mexico, uh, they repealed its pre-Roe abortion ban. Uh, California passed a resolution in April using uh, or urging the federal government to report reproductive rights such as the fundamental right to an abortion and access to comprehensive reproductive health care, including the services provided by Planned Parenthood Health Centers. Uh, Hawaii. Hawaii enacted a law uh, to allow advanced practice uh, nurses uh, to provide abortion care, which will expand access to abortion by allowing additional qualified providers to provide care. Uh, that's kind of the opposite of what we saw back in the day where they were trying to take that uh, the practice away from midwives and whatnot and give it to, you know, give it to the doctors. Whereas now they're like, no, like, let's expand it to qualified professionals. Um, Virginia, Virginia, uh, which Virginia is fascinating, actually, for being a, a southern state. Um, they enacted a bill in March of 2021 that removes a prohibition on abortion coverage and health insurance plans through Virginia's insurance marketplace. Um, Virginia is actually has been going liberal um, for the last about five to 10 years. Uh, they mm-hmm. they they voted for the. Uh, liberal president candidate, I think, in the last three or four elections. Interesting. Well, um, Washington State, uh, Washington enacted a law in April 2020 that requires any student health plan that covers maternity services to also cover abortion care. Uh, this law builds on the state's requirement that any state-regulated health care plan that covers maternity services almost uh, – oh, weird. I don't know why it repeats that. Um, uh, Colorado in May – Colorado enacted a law that eases restrictions for abortion care in cases of rape or incest uh, that is covered by public funds. Uh, It removes requirements that these abortion services must be performed by physicians and only in certain facilities, allowing a wider number of providers such as nurse practitioners and physician assistants who are licensed and acting within their scope of practice to provide medically necessary abortion care. Uh, Connecticut, the last one. Uh, Connecticut, uh, the governor signed a bill in May of 2021 that prevents deceptive practices by crisis pregnancy centers. Um, And this article says uh, there are anti-choice fake clinics that do not provide comprehensive reproductive health care and that Mm -hmm. frequently attempt to prevent people from accessing abortion care. Uh, These centers often provide misleading information about abortion, such as claims that they uh, they provide... Uh, abortion reversals, which are medically oh impossible. And wow. So they basically just stopped these fake clinics from misleading these poor women who were going in to make these, like, the hardest decision of their life. That's terrible. Wow. Let, let me ask you guys. This is a really serious question. This might be the most serious question I've ever asked you guys. Do you guys think... This is kind of going back to the the turnaway study um, where women were turned away at you know at certain stages and how certain states have have laws based on vi- uh, viability. Do you think there's any reason that an abortion should be denied if a woman wants to get one? I mean, is there any more you know any reason that a woman's decision shouldn't be final on her own body on that there should be some kind of limitation? Um, <laughs> I know that's a big one and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to let question or whatever. The reason I asked was, was the, you know, in researching this, I definitely had issues with late term abortions. Yeah. Um, you know, watching the diagrams of how they do thing. It, it's pretty awful. Um, you know, and, and yet I remembered a friend of mine saying, who was a man who who's saying that that he hated abortions but he knew that it was it had to be the decision and that it would bother him knowing that you know a baby of his was aborted but he would definitely let her decide that because it's her body and it was her choice and it didn't matter essentially what he thought so like but like so i go back and forth on that and i just i wonder what where you guys fall in that yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with that sentiment. You know, I I think 
when you get to a certain point in pregnancy, unless there is something wrong or whatever it is, then it's like, it's kind of like, Hey, you're expected to carry this out. And so like, Mm -hmm. I do understand and I do empathize with the struggle of accepting late term abortions. However, for me, just like your, your friend Curtis regardless of what I think or how I feel about it, I will always ultimately say that it is the woman's choice. Um, like I, what my thoughts are do not matter. Kara, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I, Curtis, I'm kind of with you in the sense that obviously it's very difficult to wrap your mind around a late-term abortion because we've, you know, we've seen babies delivered at eight months and nine months and all those things. And I guess, um, I guess I am like Dalen. I'm with you that women should be able to decide. Um, I can understand the validity and reasoning for someone saying, like, look, if you hit, you know, seven and a half months or eight months, then we're gonna have to put a little bit more restrictions on this in terms of like. You know, you, you do need to be in danger or the, or the baby needs to have some type of, um, you know, deformity that would make their lives just really miserable. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I could understand the logic and the reasoning behind that. Um, but I do just get, like, uncomfortable with, I guess, policing women's babies. But then there's also the argument that we, like, people that are pro-choice bring up and I, I get I get where they're coming from is that you know if someone's murdered and they're pregnant or they're far along in their pregnancy a lot of times it's considered like a double murder right. so like I like I get where all of these like nuances come into play but at the end of the day I think it should always be between a woman and her doctor yeah I think that's fair I mean and and again I'm and you know hopefully neither of you were shocked by that question because I was not trying to feel like a gotcha thing important. but but, you know, it's, I do feel like one of the reasons that people don't find common ground on this is on the pro-life side, they only see the extreme cases, you know, of, of, of abortion late term, and they, they, they can't get past that. And then on the, um, you know, pro-abortion side or pro-choice side, um, they only see bodily autonomy and and the government telling them something that they don't want to have. And I feel like somewhere in the middle there, they need to see each other. And and I do happen to agree that I think it does have to come down to a woman's decision ultimately with her own baby. Um, but that but it does get so much tougher when it is is at past a certain point where, you know, it it is very likely to have been a child. Um yeah. so I don't know. It's 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 not easy, and I, I think that people who are on the pro pro life side, or the anti, excuse me, anti abortion side, um, I think they need to understand that that it's not easy on anyone mm-hmm. who fight for abortion rights. Um, you know, they don't like it. They don't they don't like that that maybe that part of it exists, but they also think that taking that choice away from from the woman who created it is wrong. Yeah, definitely. All right, and on that, we're going to call it a wrap for uh, part two of Abortion and Roe v. Wade, the conservative white whale. Um, yeah, that those were that was a heavy series. That was a lot, um, and I, I think, I, I, you know, before we wrap, I want to say that I think consistently through this entire show, the, the social discord, um, we've been very honest, I think, and open about our opinions on things and our stances. But I think with that, we've been very, very true to facts and very true to history and very true to, I mean, just the the honest truth of things. And so, you know, if you listen to this whole series, I hope you were able to recognize that, that, you know, we, we let you know what we think, but we let you know what is. You know, we, we we do our best to just keep it straightforward and honest and fair. Um, and I know this one, like we say, people don't talk about it. Kids don't learn about it. 
the way they should because it is so controversial. So I hope, you know, listening through this, you you got an idea of, of what the background really is and maybe it changed the way you think. Maybe it gave you a new perspective. Maybe it just, you know, confirmed deeper what you already thought. But either way, I hope it gave you more information to think about. Um, so with that, um, yeah, I'm just going to call it a wrap. That was a long one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll talk to you all in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Hi, everybody. Thank you for listening to Social Discord, part of the Podcast Without Borders Network. You can get a hold of us by sending us an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com. You can also check out our website at podcastwithoutborders.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.